Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. Church, as we begin a new series, a series that will pop up here and here and out, there throughout the year called Faith Matters. Would any of you disagree that faith matters? In the times that we live in, in the, in the, the trials, in the, the, the difficulties of life, our faith matters. What we believe matters. The Hebrew writer defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the certainty of things unseen. It is the assurance that those promises of God, that those things that he said, those things that he declared would come to fruition. The assurance of those things, those promises, those hopes that they might come to be. And the certainty of things unseen. Yesterday, uh, I had an opportunity to uh, help with the Society of St. Stephen's as they distri- distributed meals, the Thanksgiving meals. A line of hundreds of cars backed up, ready to receive this blessing. And we got the opportunity to pray with people as they were in their cars. Uh, because of COVID, we didn't, they didn't come inside and, and go through the whole process, but they, they rode, drove in their cars. And, and as they were driving, we got the opportunity to sit and to, um, to have a conversation through the window and to pray with them. Well, this one lady, she came up uh, and rolled down her window and, and my opening line was, se habla inglés o español, right? Um, and this person said English. And so I began to have a conversation with her. If if she said Spanish, I said, Sarah's up there. Uh, she's got that. And bl- God bless her soul. Sarah is so intentional in the way that she does ministry. I don't know if you've had a conversation with Sarah Reyes, our refugio pastor, uh, but she has an anointing for ministry in such a way that, um, that it speaks to that, that congregation, that, that group of people in beautiful ways. But I got the, this opportunity to, to have a conversation with this lady. And, um, and I said, you know, there's a prayer here that, that we've been praying over you. Um, is there anything that I could specifically pray for you? And she, she stopped and she looked up at me with tears starting to well up in her eyes. And she began to tell me her story. She began to tell me of those of the ways in which the word of God has spoken into the brokenness of her situation and how her faith has pulled her through this this terrible circumstance and situation in her life. And I looked over and on her passenger side seat, she had her Bible open. And as she was slowly rolling through this line, she was reading scripture and her faith Her faith was that thing that sustained her in those times and in those moments. Now, our conversation uh, probably lasted five minutes when normally these conversations last 30 seconds. And she would talk to me as as we slowly rolled up 
And, uh, and, and she never left her eye contact, which also meant that she wasn't watching the road that she was driving on. <laughs> so there were a couple of times where I had to be like, oh, we need to turn here. Let's turn. Let's turn. Here we go. All right. Uh, and uh, I don't know if, if John Carter is here, but he was watching the whole thing just laughing. Uh, there he is. Um, but it was this beautiful moment. It was this beautiful moment to see that her faith, her theology, her understanding of God in the midst of our circumstances mattered to her. It got her through. Today, uh, we are going to focus on the, our Trinitarian theology of the Christian faith. This is a distinctive for us as Christians. We are the only faith tradition that holds to, the Trinitar- to a Trinitarian theology. Now, bear with me, because as we dive into the Trinity in a 20-minute Sunday morning service, you must recognize that Augustine, one of the founders of, of our faith and, and one of the founders of our understanding of Christian thought, took 30 years at the end of his life writing a book about the Trinity and never finished. He died before it was ever completed, and I have 20 minutes to explain it. So Holy Spirit, be with me today. So I would love to begin our time together in prayer because I believe that that is where our understanding of our faith amidst the Trinity must always begin, is in prayer. So let's go to God. Holy Spirit, we give you this time. God, I'll confess that, that I spent so much time this week preparing to understand you, and I, I know that I fall short. Preparing to communicate with clarity to this congregation, what it means to live with a Trinitarian understanding. And I, I, I spent so much time making sure that, that the message was clear and that, the, that it would get out the way that I hope it would, would but, but I failed so many times to, to stop and to pray, to stop and to say, Holy Spirit, you are the one that will bear fruit out of the words of my mouth. You are the ones that will impart the words into my heart so that they might be spoken. So Holy Spirit, be with us in this place. Holy Spirit, take the words from from my mouth that you implanted in me. God, and make them fruitful in the ears of the congregation that hears. God, would you translate these words into action in the hearts and minds of the people? We rest in you because you are the sustainer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So as we, as we dive into scripture, I wanna start with scripture because I believe that uh, understanding the Trinity must be found first in scripture. Did you know that the word Trinity is never found in scripture? The word Trinitarian is never found in scripture. The triune God these words are never found in Scripture. This is a construct that we, as readers, have built throughout uh, our Christian history. As we understand and we, as we see throughout Scripture, the Trinity woven in and out. We see the Trinity in the beginning. 
In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, in the beginning, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. He said, let us make man in our image. Let us make humans in our image, in in the image of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. They were in unity, in community, there at the beginning. We see the, the, the God, the Creator. We see the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. We see Jesus walking with them in the garden. In the beginning was the three, the one. We see that the Holy Spirit is distinct, distinctly separate, but essentially unified in John's prayer in John 17, 20 through 23. He says this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in them. May they also be in us, that the world may know and believe that you have sent me. It's like a, a, a paradox of like Russian nesting dolls, right? That we all might be within one another. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, as we are unified, I in them and you in me, so that they might be brought to complete unity. These parts are distinctly separate, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they are brought together in complete unity in the Trinity. We see that the, that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have a, a foundational binding and an operating function that is love. In the famous love passage in 1 John 4, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Hear that. Because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. That is his love represented to the world is in the sending, God the sender, sending his, his only son into the world. And this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. The assurance, the certainty of things unseen. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us, that he gave us his spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father as the sender, the Son as the example, and the Spirit as the empower. You see, the, all of these parts of God are distinctly separate, 
but are bound together by love. They are defined by love and their operating function. The thing that they do in every action is love. They cannot operate. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit cannot operate outside of love. So, what does this mean for us? What is this, under, this complex understanding of the Holy Spirit, of this, this Trinitarian theology for us as Christians that's almost uncomprehensible, right? That is the ultimate paradox of our faith, right? For me, it begins me asking questions that I cannot find answers to. Like, is Jesus praying to himself when he goes and prays in the garden? Wow. Is God his own father and son at the same time? Who is in who in this paradox? The answer is, I don't know. And neither did John Wesley. So I find comfort in that, right? John Wesley said this. He said, would it not be absurd in me to deny the fact because I do not understand the manner? That is to reject what God has revealed because I do not comprehend what he has not revealed. Am I to reject that which I don't understand just because God has not revealed all of the things to me because I can't fully understand this thing called the truth? again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. But what we do understand is that the Holy Spirit The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit operate in love. And in that faith community, in that community of faith between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they echo a part of who we ought to be as a a, a family of Christ that is unified together and that operates towards the world in one characteristic, in love. This is a distinctive for us as Christians. If we are to divorce ourselves of a Trinitarian theology, then we are to lose our faith entirely. Take, for example, our Muslim brothers and sisters. Our Muslim brothers and sisters reject the idea of the Trinity, yet they believe in the God Allah. They believe in a God who is distant. A God who rules on high with authority and ultimate authority. When we read the word of God, we read with a lens that God is speaking to us to mold and shape and transform our lives. When our Muslim brothers and sisters read the word of God, the, the, for them, the Quran, the words of Allah, They don't read with a devotional lens of how is the Holy Spirit going to move in me and change me through this word. They read 
so that they might obey on a more understanding level. So that they might be better followers of the rules and the guidelines that are laid out. But for us, for us, we have a God who is relational. A God who meets us in the midst of our circumstances and desires to be in relationship with each and every one of us. That is the God of the Trinity, the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We have a relational God whose desire is to love us. Trinitarian theology, the essence of a Trinitarian theology is about our relationship with one another. And that our relationship with God ought to echo the relationship the Trinity has with one another. This is the way that it was meant to be in the garden. That the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit would walk with us in relationship. Number two, I think that this means a significant thing for us in our lives. Trinitarian theology ought to change the way we live out our missional lives. I love this church. This church is the most missional body of Christ that I've ever seen. I love the ways in which you see needs and you meet them in incredible ways. I love the way that you focus on the ways that you can be God's love to the world. So this this Trinitarian missiology ought to change the way that we think. I'm reading a book um, in, in seminary called An Invitation to World Missions, A Trinitarian Missiology for the 21st Century. Sounds like a page turner, huh? (laughs) But in this book, uh, the president of Asbury Theological Seminary, uh, Timothy Tennant, he explains that in understanding the way that we live out our faith, right, that great commission, that you are called to make disciples, baptizing the name baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The way that we ought to live out our missional lives ought to echo this Trinitarian understanding of life. That God is the sender, number one. That Jesus models how we ought to do missions. And then the Holy Spirit is the enactor of all of the produce, of all of the fruit comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers and enables that the Holy Spirit drives the missional efforts that we do. And our role, get this church, our role in the middle of missions is to be aware of God's movement and to live as abiding co-laborers in the work of God. Let me say that again. Our role is to be aware of the movements of God around us, his relational life with us, and to be abiding co-laborers in the work of God. A beautiful example of uh, Trinitarian missiology is in a a text, a a story that we saw a few weeks ago 
in the story of Jonah. In the story of Jonah, it is God who calls Jonah to go. It wasn't his own understanding or his own, his own idea to say, you know what, that would be a good place to go. No, actually, in fact, if it was up to Jonah to lead the ship here, to take the wheel, Nineveh would never be a place on the registry. Nineveh would not be on the itinerary at all. But the God who sends, sends in a way that is outside of our logic and understanding. So we have a God who is the sender, just as he sent his son to the world to be in mission to the world. We have a God who sends, it initiates, it begins, it must begin with God as the sender. And we have the Holy Spirit who is present in the inner workings of carrying out the mission of Jonah, right? Even turning the ship, even bringing him back to the place that he was meant to be. And we have a Holy Spirit who is responsible for the conversion and the change in the hearts of the Nineveh people. That was not Jonah's action that changed the hearts of the people of Nineveh. It was the Holy Spirit's presence in that space. You know, I think, I think oftentimes we focus all of our energy on conventional wisdom, on strategy, on effectiveness in the process. And we desire a metric for every effort that we do. But see, if God is the initiator, then our first step ought to be asking, where would you have us to go, God? And what would you have us to do? Not God, here is what I want to do. Will you go and bless it as I do it? But God, where would you want me to go? What would you want me to do? Now, God may use our gifts. Don't get me wrong. I think that process and procedure, I think that, that our, our best practices are very important in the, in the, the workings of, of how we do our mission, live out our missional lives to be as effective as possible. God may use our gifts in the process, but those should not be the initiators. Those should not override our ability to steer where God is moving and leading us. We ought to first ask the question of God, where are you leading us? I fear that if we neglect that question, if we desire so deeply to take the driver's seat, we may have an incredible resume of safe and logical ministries in the city of Tarshish, but we may not be in the place that God called us to be. And so I think in order to live out a Trinitarian missiology, in order to live out our lives on mission as God called us to, we must ask these three questions. Is this where God is calling? Is this what God is calling me to do? And maybe it starts with a moment of silence before we jump into action.
Number two, is this in line with the ministry of Jesus? Let us look back to the example of Jesus as we understand the things that we are doing in missions. Let us look back to the ministry of Jesus and say, does it align align with the heart of Jesus? And then number three, I think, is the most challenging for me. Are we dependent on the Holy Spirit for success in this area? Or can I, in my own strength and in my own power, be successful in this space? When we lean into this Trinitarian lens, we may be called to something that is illogical and messy, like Nineveh. We may be stretched in ways that we don't want to be stretched. We may be led to talk to somebody that we really don't want to talk to. Or we may be nudged to help someone when we're already late for our tea time. And then we trust. And in those moments, we trust that the Holy Spirit is at work in ways that we may never be able to measure. But when we live out in this Trinitarian lens, we trust in the Holy Spirit's work in the midst of the actions that we do. This is a Trinitarian missiology. And it should affect the way that we live in relationship with one another. Our first action ought to be love and unity. It should affect the way that we read scripture. God, what do you want to teach me this morning as I open this? Spend time praying over that as we read. That it would be initiated, the work would be initiated by the Holy Spirit. It should affect the way that we pray. Instead of jumping straight into prayer, maybe we ask, the, ask God, what would you have me to pray today? And allow him to speak into your life in moments of silence before we pray. Because if God is the initiator of prayer, if we understand a Trinitarian understanding of prayer, then God is the initiator and God is the enactor on the other side. It should change the way that we go to the store. God, would you initiate ministry in the aisle at HEB today? That may mean that our store visit takes 30 minutes as opposed to 15. We trust the Holy Spirit with our lives and with our actions. So when you begin to step into faith like this, when you begin to, to live out this way, When you begin to embrace a Trinitarian view of faith, I promise you, you will see the Holy Spirit bear fruit in your lives and in the lives of those around you. You will see the beginning of a life of adventure that takes you out of the comfort zones of your norms. But you will see beautiful fruit For I am the vine and you are simply the branches. If you abide in me, if you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit apart from me, apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from the Trinity, you can do 
nothing. You can do nothing. And so I challenge you, church, as we end our time together, as you serve in missions, as you serve in areas of the church and at home and in the community, ask yourselves, is this where God is calling me? Does it line up with the heart of Jesus? And am I dependent on the Holy Spirit for success? May this mold and shape the ways that we live out our Trinitarian understanding of the world. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks because your Holy Spirit moves. Because we know that you are present with us, that you desire to be with us and in relationship with us. And we love that about you, God. But in those moments where we resist your presence and want to take the, take the wheel, God, I pray that you would lead us. I pray that you would guide us. And that that process would transform our hearts and our lives. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.